0: You are listening to the Mill Sunday School podcast. You could turn to Revelation, uh, the last chapters, verse uh, chapter twenty-two, and I'm going to read just two verses, starting in verse twelve, about the reward that is coming, about how the end, the book of Revelation has. Uh, lots of bad stuff going down, but there's encouragement throughout it. And the the ending is with encouragement that Jesus is coming and there is a reward for those that have remained faithful to the end. That's a big picture idea of the book of Revelation and end times, which is our topic for this month. So Revelation chapter 22, verse 12. It says this. These are the words of Jesus. In my Bible, it's actually in red because those are all uh, designated in red. And it says... Jesus says, Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. Everybody say, reward. reward. We're getting rewards. My reward is with me, and, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the um, Alpha, the Omega, the first and last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Let's pray. Let's worship Him. Father, we do come before You, and as we look at the the end times, and as we look at the book of Revelation and some of the other passages concerning the end times, God, we we thank You that You have been victorious, that the end has already been written, that You, Jesus, are, are the one who who, who will last. You are the beginning and the end. You will give rewards to those that have r- remained faithful in you. And so, God, we, we praise you. We worship you. We take encouragement from these passages about the end times because we know that you will be glorified and that in the end, you win. And so we love you and praise you. And everybody screamed. Yes. Amen. The early people are the loudest people. I love you guys. Um, Pastor Brady asked... Uh, the New Life Church staff to pray for two girls. And uh, Brady, this last week, Brady was uh, traveling. He went to different countries. One of the countries that he went to was Turkey, And there he met with Christian leaders that were from uh, Iran, just uh, the country right south of Turkey. And they had fled Iran for for a time, for a couple months, in order to get training and to be equipped as pastors and as church leaders in Turkey. Because you can't get trained and and, uh, go to Christian conferences in Iran. It's illegal to be a Christian in Iran. There's persecution in Iran. And so as Brady's talking to these church leaders He's in Turkey, but he's talking to Iranian um, uh, pastors and leaders. They were telling him about uh, two girls in their organization. The organization is called Elam, E-L-A-M. And um, and he told us to, that these two girls, and these two girls are on the cover of um, the skillet this morning. We're going to pray for them later. But um, these Iranian um, church leaders says... Please pray for these two girls because they are in prison. They are in a women's Iranian prison for uh, three things. One is anti-state activities. Uh, number two is apostasy, meaning they've abandoned the, the Muslim faith. Iran is very Muslim. It's a Quranic uh, a, a country and so it's illegal to leave the faith of, of islam islam and the third thing is propagating the christian faith they're in jail these two girls i mean if you look at their picture they look like they're in their 20s if they were here at colorado springs they would be coming to the mill and hanging out with us they're they're mill-aged young girls and they're in prison in a women's iranian prison because um they've left the the islamic faith and they've become christians and one month ago, on October 7th, I guess one month, one day ago, there was a new judge presiding, and it says, unlike previous judges, he was sympathetic to these two girls. Their, their names are uh, Miriam and Marzia, and he was sympathetic to them and dropped the charge of the anti state activities, which uh, has, it says rarely happens, uh, which was a great relief to the two women and their lawyers representing them. But, And, and so they were just charged with apostasy, leaving the Islamic faith, and. Uh, propagating the Christian faith were, were what they were charged with, and the judge said, "All you have to do is is uh, say that you don't believe in Jesus, and, and you'll you'll get you'll get freed right now." This happened just a month ago. This is two thousand nine. Happened one month ago on October seventh. Judge said, "Just just denounce your Christian faith. We'll unhandcuff you, and you can walk out of here free, young women." And instead of denouncing Jesus Christ, they said, no, we cannot do that. And so they are in jail for two things, just leaving the Muslim faith and propagating the Christian faith. These two girls are in prison right now as we speak. And Brady just shared uh, what the, the missionaries told them, that Iranian prisons are not Disneyland. There is... That's not fun, especially women's prisons. Women's Women in Middle Eastern countries are usually just considered property. And so imagine a prison, imagine a woman's prison, very bad. These, these two girls, middle age, are in prison, probably malnourished, mal, uh, uh, very horrible conditions. As well as, Brady said, there's a very good chance they're being sexually abused or raped by the guards. And all because... They believe in Jesus Christ. They have left the Muslim faith, and they're Christians, and they told other people about it. And so today, there, are, there is a persecuted church today. And I tell that story because Brady asked us to pray for those girls, as well as to, to lead into what we're talking about today, the end times. Because the end times has a lot—whenever Jesus talks about the end times, Paul, Peter talks about the end times, the book of Revelation talks about the end times— There's persecution. There's bad stuff that's going to go along with the end times. And there was bad stuff happening at the first century's church. So we're going to kind of do two things this morning. We're going to look at the first century persecution and then realize that in the end times there will also be persecution. That that God never promised us that the Christian life would be like Disneyland. In fact, there's a lot of promises that it's going to be hard this side of heaven. So um, with that in mind... um, uh, let's let's do some announcements. Would you like to hear some announcements? Woo! A few of you would. All right, here's some announcements. Uh, if you're newish, if you've never been to Mill Sunday School before, or you're just newish, or uh, would like to be put on our email list, would like to get an email from me, then uh, on all, uh, some of the tables or back at their... There should be a little white card that says first timer card. If you fill that out and turn it in, um, we will contact you and email you, put, a, put you on our list, as well as uh, you get a free gift for coming. It's a CD, a welcome CD of the mill, tells, us, uh, tells you about what we do. Uh, another announcement is, uh, obviously all of you know this, but Sunday school does officially start now at 9.30, which is a half hour earlier than before. Talk about persecution, right? A half hour earlier. Can you handle it? Of course you can. You're here. You can handle it. So on your on your tables are all brand new cards. It has the, the, the month's topics that are correct. It has the times that are correct. And so those are the new ones. We got them reprinted uh, because of the times have changed. And so 930 is, is when we start now. You can pass the word. And um, also, this summer, we are going on missions. So I have Parker Crumbaker. Why don't you come on up here? Parker's our... Uh, mission mill missions director and uh, i've given him some time to talk to you about missions how many of you are for sure going on missions this summer i see that hand i see it i see those
1: hands there should be more hands though parker tell us why i'll tell you uh thank you guys for showing up at 9 30 this is pretty much a sunrise service for us 20, <laughs> 20 year olds so sunrise is uh, at six <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, this uh summer we're going to Egypt, India, Germany, and Peru. Um excited about it. We've I've uh coordinated with global division here, uh New Life, known the contacts. Contacts have great hearts, so it is uh important and 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 we want to see uh, a lot of people go on missions, but we also want your hearts to be Uh, ready for what is there. I want to tell you a couple things, like if you've never been on mill missions, what goes on with that process and what we kind of do and what uh, our flavor is as mill missions. We we do teams, and so we're in the process right now of accepting applications and then we're going to place you on teams. The reason why we place you on teams is because for five months leading up to uh, the summer when we go is we want your team to connect. We want you guys to be knitted together. Uh, You know, many missions sometimes put you together as one week before you go on the missions trip. And so during the missions trip, you're trying to figure out who your teammates are and all that. And, and we want that process to happen um, early on. And so, you put on teams, you have two team leaders, a male and a female, um, and so that's kind of the process of teams. I've also had a lot of questions about money. And uh, I think a lot of people think when they see the trip costs, they're like, I got to have that amount right now. That's not how we do it. We just, uh, when 2010 hits is we have some 25%, 50%, 75%, 100% deadlines. And so that helps you guys to plan out where you know that you're, you're, uh, you know, like $700 per month or whatever, just kind of keep you on task. So don't think you turn in your application. We need that money right now. That's not how we do that. I also want to mention we, we do meetings, especially for like team leaders. We, we're we not going to just throw you to the wolves and say, be a good leader and report back to us. We really want to walk through that process and make sure that um, team leaders are getting equipped and and know like if they have problems or if they uh, don't know what they're doing, that they have people. We have I have a team leader support staff under me. There's going to be... 3 leaders per country and you're going and the team leaders will be meeting with them throughout the months of just just over coffee or invited over to the house or whatever. <laughs> so that that process is we want to make sure that we are being good stewards of our leaders and so we appreciate that. Um there are also are team meetings for everyone that's going on missions. That's when we all get together. We really get on one heart, get on one uh, one accord for what we're going over to missions to do. And then to meet with your country, like if you're going to Peru, you're going to meet with everyone that's going to Peru, so you guys can specifically pray for Peru, get, get know what you're going to be doing in Peru, and all that, and so that's part of the process. I also want to mention that um, if you're thinking about being a team leader, our, our prerequisite for being a, a team leader is that you've been on missions before. That's really uh, something that's, that's big, you know, if you sit around in a round table here in America. And you're leading. That's that's great. But when you go on missions, there's there's a thousand new dynamics that happen. And so, um, I really do want to say that we appreciate team leaders. And if you are thinking about that, please talk with me. I'll be in the back here, uh, because we love team leaders. I just want to uh, cast one thing: is is usually in the missions world. I think sometimes the missions world it says it's it's kind of the most sometimes the most legalistic thing. Like. You didn 't know there were sixty million AIDS victims in Africa? Are you a Christian? Like you know that's what sometimes people are like, yeah I, I'm sorry I didn't know that and stuff and so i want to I want to say that we as mill missions we really want to it's the download from the from God, and then it's a lo, you know it's a it's a love relationship with God that really we go out on missions and we spread the fame of God it's not a Go do this because you need to be a good Christian. So um, I just want to reiterate what Sterno mentioned. Sterno has done a great job. I've been this mic went off for a little bit. Okay, uh, of how he's been talking about missions for the last three weeks at the mill, and he has done such a great job portraying the heart of of Mill missions. And one thing I want to reiterate, and God is really speaking this to us as staff, but it, it's just been big is, is don't make the great commission greater than my greatest commandment. And that was, that was just a huge thing in my heart when, when God kind of downloaded that into me and said, this is, you know, go into all the world and preach the good news. That stuff, that is great. And that's obviously the great commission, but the greatest commandment to love your Lord, your God, and to love others as yourself is really the, the the pinnacle of christianity and so i want to say that is our hardest mill missions if you have any questions about it uh please feel free to ask me i'll be in the back um but mill missions 2010 here we go
0: thank parker parker Crumbaker, everybody he's really nice just talk to him about missions all right i want to challenge you for a second um this may embarrass you i don't know how many of you were here last week i see those hands thank you last week i gave you a homework assignment do you remember that i was like you have homework this week i said read read op- crack open the book of revelation so some of you i've heard you read the whole thing uh, some of you some of us got together this week and studied uh portions of it we read uh here and there um By show of hands, how many of you cracked open the book of Revelation this week? Oh yeah, I see those hands. I see them. Yes! I like seeing those hands. Reading the Word is so good. And I thought this morning, you know, sometimes you get this sense that, oh, you know reading the Bible is good, and you hear people and see people like pointing their finger at you saying, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. And that's, uh, I don't want to do that right now. I think there, there's, there's a saying I have that it just says, spiritually hungry people don't need to be told to read their Bible. If you're spiritually hungry, you'll read the Bible. That's how you get fed. And so instead of just telling you, um, read your Bible and pointing my finger at you, I want to encourage you and say, if you want to be spiritually hungry here's four, uh, four points. I've taught this before, but I thought it's very applicable. As we talk about the end times, there's so much confusion. Sometimes people have these uh, very negative thoughts about what the end times will be like. People are scared to read the book of Revelation. And so I want to encourage you to read it and not just point my finger at you and say, read your Bible, read your Bible, but become spiritually hungry. Here's how. I have uh, four points. So if you're taking notes, under the point in your notes, it says, read the book of Revelation. Maybe put um, uh, ways to get spiritually hungry or um, how to build spiritual hunger. I have four points. And so a lot of these are, if you're spiritually hungry... you'll read your Bible. How do you get spiritually hungry? Well, here's, here's four, four points. I've kind of made them silly, really tying them in with like eating food, like in, in real life, but becoming spiritually hungry can be uh, an analogy to getting really hungry. And so what happens if, you're, uh, if mom's making dinner and she catches you right before dinner eating cupcakes? What does she say? You're gonna spoil your dinner. You're gonna ruin your dinner. Is that true? Yeah, it's true. And so point number one, Don't eat junk food. And of course, this is, I'm talking spiritually now. Don't eat junk food. Sin could be junk food. Waste of time could be junk food. Um, There's lots of things, and I'm not going to tell you what else specifically could be junk food. I'll let the Holy Spirit convict you of, man, this is junk right now. I'm eating junk food because that really does fill up your heart, fill up your mind, making you not, not as spiritually hungry to read the Bible. So point number one, don't eat junk food. Point number two, eat big, healthy meals each day. It's always funny to talk to, if you, if, fasting is kind of a, a spiritual discipline. Jesus did it. Uh, the apostles did it. Uh, um, I, I do fasting where you either fast something like television or you actually fast food. And it's always funny to talk to someone that's never fasted before. It's like, oh, I'm going to fast tomorrow. I'm going to eat a really big dinner tonight so that I could fast tomorrow. Those of you giggling know how silly that idea is. Because when you eat a big meal, your stomach expands. And then the next day, you wake up with an expanded stomach with no food in it. You're like ten times more hungry. The worst thing you could do before a day of fasting is eat a big meal right before. But the reverse is also true. So think about that. If you continually eat really big meals, spiritual meals, every day, you're going to be hungry for more bigger spiritual meals and so, if you're, let's just say, as an example, you, um, all this week you, you decide, okay, I'm going to read my Bible for a half hour every single day. Half hour Monday, half hour Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, half hour Saturday morning, half hour Sunday. And then and next week, Monday finally rolls around. Are you going to be hungry to read the Bible? Yeah, because you've been reading it all along. You've developed habits. You, you have forced yourself, have trained yourself to eat big, healthy meals of Scripture. We're talking spiritually now. Um, to not, I don't want to be irreverent to compare reading the Bible with a hot dog eating contest, but hot dog eating contests. You know how those guys train for eating? The, the, the world record right now is 68 hot dogs in one sitting. That's like a pile of hot dogs and buns How does that go into a man's stomach? And the guy that won it is like the skinny little, weaselly little guy. Like, how does that work? Well, it works because he has forced himself to eat huge meals. He'll force himself to drink two gallons of water in a sitting. If any one of us drink just two gallons of water right now we would probably have to be rushed to the hospital. But he has trained himself. He has forced himself to have this huge stomach in order to fit 68 hot dogs in his stomach. In the same way, spiritually. So the spiritual idea behind that is if you every day you, you force yourself, you train yourself to read the Bible, well then it's just going to become a habit. You're going to get hungry. You're going to be spiritually hungry to read the Bible. Um, third point, don't eat alone. Find a group. Uh, to read the bible with We're, we're comparing reading and eating obviously don't eat alone don't uh you can read your bible by yourself but it's even funner if there's a bible study that all you do is like oh we'll read a chapter in john then we'll have a bible study where we drink coffee and talk about what we read that's fun it gets people uh talking about it and thinking about it in different ways you keep each other accountable with with bible reading if you have a friend to read with that's cool if you're married like me and you have a wife to read with that's really cool so get a wife, then you'll be able to read the Bible every day. Duh. <laughs> so Erica and I—we've been married almost three years now. We haven't missed a single day of reading the Bible together in three years. So it's—it's I mean, just—it's just part of our routine. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's really Erica. There she is. She's really cool. She makes me sometimes read it. It's like read that. Just kidding. Uh, so, don't eat alone. Point number four, don't ignore the hunger pains. Don't ignore the hunger pains. And this is, we're t- I'm talking spiritually now. If you feel like, oh man, I need to be reading my Bible right now, don't push those thoughts away. Go ahead and read it. Sometimes Christians feel as though, man, today wasn't a very good day. I sinned today. I did this or that. I, just, I know I just pleased the Lord today. I don't feel worthy to read the Bible. Let me tell you something. That is either a thought, a bad thought in your head or a thought from an evil presence in your life telling you that you're not good enough to read the Bible. We read the Bible to get spiritually encouraged. After sinning, after a bad day, that's potentially the best time to read your Bible. Get back into the word, encourage encouragement from the word and the truth of scripture flowing over your life. So those are the four points having to do with reading the Bible. And so I may ask, I may or may not ask you next week if you've cracked open the book of Revelation, but that's a continual homework this month to read the book of Revelation. Don't be scared of it. Don't think that, oh, I, I can't even possibly begin to understand it. So it's, it's for somebody else to read. No, it's for us as Christians to believe it's part of our word. It's, it's in the Bible, the canon as we know it. And so uh, read the Bible, okay? All right. Let's, let's dive into this idea of persecution. And we mentioned uh, the modern day persecution with those two girls. Um, I have some other facts here that say that um, so he, these countries, it is illegal to be a Christian. You can be jailed, uh, deported, etc. From these countries: Sudan, China, uh, Saudi Arabia, North Korea is probably right now the worst country for cr- Christian persecution. Afghanistan, Somalia, even Egypt, the country that we're one of the mill mission countries we're going to. It is. I was there uh, two years ago and learned that it is, it is illegal to not, it's, it's illegal for, it's legal for a Christian to go visit uh, Egypt, but it is illegal to propagate the Christian message. And it is illegal for a Muslim to convert to Christianity. It's illegal. And so here's countries that are being persecuted today for, uh, being Christians. And in the end times, Jesus talks about the end times in Matthew 24. Jesus talks about the end times in Luke 21. Uh, the book of Revelation is about the end times. 1 Thessalonians 5 is about the end times. And 2 Peter 3 is about the end times. All of those scriptures that I just mentioned, talking about the end times, every single one of them says times are going to get hard. Times are going to get really hard. It's going to be harder and harder to become, to be a Christian. There will be persecution. There will be persecution. It will be hard in the end times. And so with that, I want to look at... um, so, in the end times, as Christians in the first century read the book of Revelation, they read it um, thinking to themselves, um, okay, there is persecution now. When will the persecution stop? We read the, the book of Revelation, and because we're Americans and we have uh, these freedoms that have been given to us in this awesome um, country that we live in, that we have the freedom of any religion we want, um, that. Uh, we, don't, we, we are asking ourselves, oh, when will persecution come? But the people in the first century thought, when will the persecution end? And so there's this double meaning, meaning behind the book of Revelation, encouraging the first century church that was being persecuted and um, encouraging the end times people that will be persecuted. And so and so I want to look at, because, because we at the Mill Sunday School um, have this saying when it comes to hermeneutics, that the Bible is not written to us it's written for us that we have this idea okay we need to understand the book of revelation how the people in the first century would have understood it and so we're going to kind of dive into that right now Um, so don't let me confuse you we're talking about the first century church how they would have seen the book of revelation but it's also for us in times like we in the end you know there will be persecution so with that moving on to your next point in the notes Um, I want to briefly describe uh, the second point that says history of persecution in the early church. History of persecution in the early church. Um, So the early church surrounding itself... uh, was uh, in the in the around the Mediterranean and what is today Israel, what is today Turkey, etc. The the Roman Empire controlled um, that area of the world. In fact, in the BC era, in 63 BC, the Romans came in and took over what is today Israel. They took it over and. Um, and they actually gave the freedom to the Jews to worship how they had been worshiping. It was the Roman custom and tradition that if they took over land, they would give that land their pers- their their uh, religious freedoms. Um, but Christianity was like this new religion, and this new religion of these Christians, people hated them because they would not worship the the Roman gods a and b they would not worship or give respect to the emperor and in rome rome was a dictatorship at this time in in the a.d era when uh let's say john was writing the book of revelation the roman empire was a dictatorship and that dictator was known as the caesar the king or uh as the emperor and the emperor wasn't just like el presidente the, the emperor was, they believe literally a god incarnate. And so you had to worship the emperor in order to pay your respects to the empire. And so these, this new religion, Christianity, decides we're not going to worship your emperor. We're only going to worship Christ and, and the god that we believe in, the god of the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so it's for that reason that the Romans persecuted the Christians because it was an act of treason. It was like the Romans saying, why won't these Christians uh, just pay their respect to the, imp- to the empire? Why can't they just burn some incense out of respect to the em- emperor? Because he is a god on earth. And so it was an act of treason. It was illegal to be a Christian and only worship Jesus Christ, not to worship the emperor. And so in that context, um, there was persecution. Christians... Living in Paul's day, if you read the book of Acts, there's persecution. Paul was in and out of jails. He was beaten. Um, Peter, in and out of jails, beaten. We, we, we think that through tradition, we know that Peter was probably crucified upside down um, in persecution for being a Christian and spreading the Christian faith. We know that there are records of Christians being brought into Colosseums and being killed by gladiators or some sort of lion or beast that would kill Christians. Paul himself, in Ephesians, I believe it's fifteen, says, "I fought the wild beasts in Ephesus," and that could be uh, figurative, like he ran into opposition in Ephesus, or it could mean literally what it says—he had to fight a lion in a coliseum in Ephesus. I don't know whether it's literal or figurative. There, scholars are on both sides, saying, "Yeah, Paul could have been in a he, Paul could have been in a coliseum fighting a lion." For the entertainment of the Romans, because the Romans hated the Christians. They persecuted the Christians. So I want to ask you this question Um, What could Christians do under Roman persecution? That's point number three on your notes here. And I want you to think about that as just like, okay, what are the options? And they may be good options, they may be bad options, but what are the options? If you're living under severe persecution like the first century, what were your options? What options did you have? What could you do under Roman persecution? And I want you to write down some of those that you can think of. And then maybe in your groups, if you're sitting at a table, you can kind of share your ideas and get as many options as you possibly can. And then, so I'll give you time for discussion. Then I'm going to put a bunch up here on the board. And we're going to talk about them because it applies to the book of Revelation. Because uh, John was writing to a first century, heavily, heavily, persecuted church these seven churches to whom the book of revelation is addressed so what could christians do under roman persecution you got it you ready to write some stuff down and talk you look ready ready get set go
2: The way I see it
0: Give you like uh, just one more minute to wrap up your conversation.
2: <laughs> I'd be
0: thinking if you want to uh, share out loud, there's going to be some mics being passed around in a second. All right. Uh, Okay, we got two dudes, Bowman and Roberts, with the microphones. They're really nice. They're really cool. Uh, they're going to be, uh, so get their attention and, uh, give us one of the options. And it could be a good option. It could be a bad option. It could be an okay option. Just what are the options? If there, if we were living right now under Roman persecution, where it was totally illegal to be a Christian, uh, we could be brought into a Colosseum and for entertainment's sake be killed because we just believed in Jesus. Um, yes, peoples, any hands? Yes, sir. We got one back there. Mr. Wiggers. That's his last name. It's pretty
1: cool. It's not funny. I'm just kidding. Um, well, under persecution, uh, the church has the option to go underground, meet privately. Yes. In, um, to hide. In churches and houses, uh, bunkers, perhaps, whatever they can to uh, get away from the people spying on them.
0: So they could hide. That's an option, right? They could hide. Here's what I have about hiding. Was this really a good option? Well, eventually, since the Roman Empire controlled the known world at that point, you could go off into the hills and hide, but eventually you probably would be found. It was a legitimate option, but eventually you would be found. And then what about... So it's a legitimate option to go hide. But what about the spread of Christianity? Does God tell us to take the light and to go hide it? No, God tells us to take the light and and bring it forth. So there is some problems with option number one, to go and hide. And in the book of Revelation, I can't see very many options of, oh yeah, be a Christian, just just go, go off and live by yourself and hide if persecution comes. What other options? I have like seven bullet points up here. So be ready to share. Yes, ma'am. Thank you.
2: Um, you could just like love and encourage and show grace to the guards.
0: Yeah. You could love the guards and show... And, or what? Kill them? Yeah. To fight them.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, you could fight. That was my idea.
3: I wanted to fight them.
0: How many of you put fight, fight the Romans Where, back? Good. That? Yeah. You could fight the Romans. But here's some facts about the Romans. I'll come back. Uh, Let's see. Fight. Paul is in Turkey. Or excuse me. Um, let's see. Fighting the Romans would be silly because the Christians at this point in time were nobodies. They were a very, 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 very small minority. And just to, to fight the Roman centurions, the legions of Roman armies would be silly. Um, and the, the churches uh, to which this letter of Revelation is written are in Turkey. Ephesus, Myrna, uh, Pergamum, Thyatira, Philadelphia, Sardis, and Laodicea. All seven of those churches are in Turkey, what is today Turkey. And Paul himself probably either started those churches himself or had missionary contacts that knew Paul that started those churches. And so they're very influenced by Paul. And what did Paul say about fighting the governing authorities in your area? He said, "Don't do it." Romans 13 says, "Submit yourself to the governing authorities." Here's Paul being imprisoned because he's a Christian, and Paul says, "Submit to your governing authorities." So, fighting a very good option um, in in an idea that um, you're called to fight for your belief, but not practical, nor um, it, it kind of goes against Paul's teaching of um, subjecting yourself to the authorities. But thank you for the option. Yes, another over here, maybe? No. Yes, Sarah, go ahead. Declare it. Declare it.
1: <laughs> like, don't hide it all.
0: Don't fight. Just, Ivy, that's kind of probably not the best option, but it is an option. that you just, just die. Don't care. Just, just die. be Persecuted. I'm gonna save that one just, for the last because.
1: Just do it. It's Nike.
0: As funny as that one sounds, just dying. Just do it. It it, it is gonna be the option that the Book of Revelation promotes the most and so i'll talk about that one at the end thank you so much sarah yes
2: you could like make baked goods and put his word and like encouraging notes in it and then sell it to people
0: so like baked goods and sell it that's
2: awesome like in
0: a secretive kind of way (laughs) a a bake sale you could do a bake
3: sale you could do that thank you yes over here yes matthew well uh um, I personally think that Daniel had the best way because I mean he was pretty much kidnapped from his home country by a king that thought he was better than God, and I mean Daniel never really went out and was like i'm a, I worship God, you should worship God too to the king he 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 more took a very passive thing to it, but uh, the one thing about Daniel is that he never compromised his uh, um, never compromised his faith I mean he was threatened with death unless he could interpret something twice in his lifetime and was even thrown into a pit of lions for not worshiping the king as a god. But the one thing about Daniel is that he went out of his way to put every ounce of energy that he could in being the most useful advisor to this king as he possibly could. And in this uh, um, Roman government, um, Christians had the same option. It Sure, like, uh, like Daniel, they could still say, Oh, oh great king, live forever. But uh, um, at, the, at, at the same time, while that's not being uh, um, untrue to your God, it's still showing respect and showing, respe- showing respect for the king. And like the, yeah. um, the Christians could show respect for the emperor. But they also honored the king by learning everything about the culture. And they learned about the culture so that they could put God in the king's advisory board. Yeah, that's I mean, good. Daniel took uh, his word. Daniel was uh, considered by the king of Babylon to be his most faithful, loyal, and wisest advisor.
0: Yeah, so I put up the point: uh, change the law. So, as David was in in the king's palace, he may have had authority to change the law. And I put up: uh, change the law. First-century Christians living during Revelation, uh, the Book of Revelations, writing could have tried to change the law, like lobbied their senator or something like that. But in some senses, there, it, it was much harder to do that because Rome was not a democracy. Rome was a dictatorship in which the emperor was like a god on earth. And so to change his mind, to change the law, um, in some ways was, was silly. Um, At least to the first century Christians, this very small minority. But nonetheless, an option. Yeah, we have another person over here. No, Jay, over here.
3: Uh, We discussed uh, prayer. Uh, Prayer prayer would be good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Always good. If in doubt you pray, if you're certain you pray.
0: Yeah, I'm going to put that one. So so die slash be persecuted slash pray. I think I would kind of put that one into either this one or all of them. You, know, you could pray while you're fighting or changing the law or hiding. Um, yeah, very good. Thank you, Jay. What other options? Yes, Taylor Brook Donaldson, TBD.
2: <laughs> well, they did have the option to just worship the emperor and give up.
0: <laughs> yeah, they had the option of just quitting. I'm going to put that one down. Oh, that's his. They could quit. Yeah, you have another one?
2: <laughs> uh, or fleeing the country.
0: Or flee. Maybe hi- I'll put that one maybe under hide. Yeah, good. Did she steal yours? No. She didn't? Okay, good.
2: Relocate, because
1: you saw it with the disciples all the time. They would go from one place to another, and as the soldiers started closing in, they would...
0: So they would flee away. and go to somewhere else. Yes. Yeah, yeah, good. I, I would put that one probably under hiding as well. So we got, you could hide, you could fight the Romans, change the Roman law, you could just quit your faith, you could die being persecuted. Uh, I have two more. Maybe this, I see another hand. Yeah, you haven't talked yet. Yes, sir. In the cool hat. Build relationships with them. Just Through build the relationships. relationships maybe with the the, like the bake sale see. thing. Yeah. 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 yeah build, and, and eventually, so I, I would put that one under change the law. Like build relationship, change the law, even though the law says that Christians are to be persecuted, try to win them over with good works, for sure. Um, yeah, one more. Here, here's one that I have. I put, um, instead of just all out quitting, they could adjust their faith. Adjust faith or compromise. I'll put that up here. Compromise. And a Christian could compromise by saying, oh, I'll just worship Caesar like everyone else is worshiping Caesar, but I'll just do it without my heart. So I'll just go through the motion of either burning incense to Caesar or bowing down to the Caesar emperor of Rome, but I won't really mean it. I'll I'll kind of compromise. I'll kind of lie. Or if, if held before... I mean, we have record, actual record of an emperor writing to a governor. And the governor says, what should I do with these Christians? Here's what I have been doing. I have been asking them if they're a Christian. If they say yes, I beat the snot out of them. And then I ask them again, are you really a Christian? And if they say yes, I kill them. And so a Christian could... An option they did have was to compromise and say, oh, no, I'm not really a Christian. Don't kill me. And then go off and with their life, just having compromised, having lied. um, uh, And so I'm going to put just the word lie right here as, as lie. Man, it doesn't work, but it works up there. Good enough. So they could lie. And these two are very similar. They could adjust or lie. But the book of Revelation has something to say about liars. Revelation twenty-one five says that there's a special place for someone who lies. John, the author of Revelation, says there's a fiery lake of burning sulfur for those that did not remain faithful to the end, for those that lied. And so lying, so all of these options up here, except for the last one, the dying are probably not either practically good options or, in some ways, a compromise option. Um, The the quit one, uh, I guess number one, two, three, four. Number four is quit. If a Christian quits, uh, Revelation has so much to say about not quitting. I have Revelation 2.26, which says, To him who overcomes and does my will, to the end I will give authority. And so there's this phrase, to the end, mentioned, uh, I have it mentioned five times in the New Testament. Remain faithful, to the end. Keep enduring, to the end. This idea that we cannot quit. We cannot lie about who we are. We cannot back down. That that the book of Revelation is in many ways commending those that have suffered, commending those that have been persecuted, commending those that die. Look at Revelation um, 6, 9 is the story in heaven of what's taking place as, as, the, as saints are being persecuted. Revelation six six nine 9 says, uh, when he opened the seal, the, the lamb opens the seal, it's the spiritual image of another thing happening. Um, the fifth seal I saw under the altar, the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. So these are martyrs. And they cried out, these martyrs, they cried out in a long vo- in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? They were given, and each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the number of fellow servants and brothers who were to be killed has been completed. So here's this idea that, that they're under the altar, that they're having died, crying out. How much longer? is persecution going to last? How many more people have to die? And the voice from heaven says, there is more that need to die. Persecution. We, we as Christians are never promised Disneyland faith, uh, that everything we do is fun and nice. In fact, there's a lot more scriptures promising us bad times, hard times, if we are Christians and remain faithful to the end. Um, <clears throat> one more verse for you. It's the one that's on the back of the... That we call it a Sunday school millet, the skillet. Um, it says, "They and this is a very famous verse. They they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death." And he's talking about the, how how worthy they are, how they will be given their reward is a white robe. And imagine a white robe in first century world was hard to come by. Laundry mats. Uh, washing machines in your house did not exist. A a lot of, you know, up until the modern era, running water in your house did not exist. And so this idea that you will be given a white robe, everyone will see you, like on on a wedding day, the, the bride wears all white and she's beautiful and everyone sees her. It's like, wow, this person will be recognized as pure and as spotless because they remained faithful to the end. That they did not love their life so much as to shrink from death. And so on the cover, again, are these two girls that, that did not love their life so much, that knew what the prison and the horror they were going to have to endure. They didn't love their life so much as to shrink from death. And so the big picture right now, this last point in your notes, is this apocalyptic genre for encouragement. And the book of Revelation, this may surprise you, but the, the, the book of Revelation was written... In a type of genre, uh, the apocalyptic genre, and just like we have genres of movies, like you can go see a sci-fi movie or a chick flick movie or a uh, thrilling adventure shoot 'em up movie. There's different genres of movies, right? And before seeing a movie, you're like, "Oh, what type of movie is it? Oh, it's a chick flick. I'll bring my girlfriend. Oh, it's a like a shoot 'em up." Warrior movie, I'll bring my dude friends, right? So you know what type of genre a movie is. In the same way, writing has genre. The book of Revelation falls into apocalyptic genre. Apocalyptic genre meaning uh, a few things. Uh, meaning literally the revelation of secrets, meaning that it concerns itself with the end of the world, meaning that it paints these pictures in color figuratively of battles, of, uh, of heavenly battles, of imagination, of using numbers and illusions. You know that the book of Revelation is only 10 pages in my Bible and yet there are 500 references and allusions to the Old Testament. And so it's, using, it's picking up on this lingo and saying... Um, It's using this lingo to bring a genre to the table for these early Christians that were being persecuted and these these Christians in the end times that will be persecuted. And so this apocalyptic genre in history shows up whenever bad things are going down. We have apocalyptic genre in the book of Joel, which was written during severe drought and famine and desolation of the Jews by exile. We have apocalyptic genre in the book of Ezekiel, when they were among the Jews being exiled to Babylon. Bad things happening. Another country coming in and taking you out and destroying your land. That's a bad time. We have apocalyptic genre in Zechariah, Isaiah, and Daniel, when Judah is being taken captive and so during bad times writings come out this ancient writing this apocalyptic genre that says in the end it's going to work out in the end it's all going to work out jesus in the end wins even though there will be persecution and continual persecution and in in that way the book of revelation isn't scary the book of Revelation should come as encouragement for those that are suffering. You know if you if you have someone that's that's going through something rough in their life or something bad maybe maybe something is um maybe to you as seemingly trivial as oh their girlfriend just broke up with them a a, a hard time in their life a bad couple months you know they're going to be depressed and sad because their girlfriend broke up with them the last thing that they want to hear is just a pat on the back saying oh it's not that bad there's plenty of fish in the sea you know buck up that's not, that's the worst thing you could say to someone. Because their response is, you know, don't tell me how hard it is. It's hard. I'm depressed. I'm feeling bad. Don't just pat me on the back and say it's all going to work out. There's other fish in the sea. That's the worst thing you could tell someone going through a hard time. Right? Is that what, if you're going through a hard time, do you want to hear a pat on the back saying, oh, it's, it's not that bad? No, it's that bad. And in the same way, the book of Revelation does not pat any Christian on the back and say, oh, it's not that bad. The book of Revelation continues to tell of spiritual battles and people being killed and more persecution, more martyrdom coming. But the book of Revelation, the point behind the book of Revelation for the first century church and for the end times is to say, in the end, God wins. God is not promising us a nice vacation once we become a Christian in, in many ways, God promises us hard times when we become Christians. But in the end, our hope is in heaven. I just want to end with a reminder that last week in the in the, the main service Sunday morning, Aaron Stern spoke about, the, the, the title was, We Are Overcomers. And his analogy that he used, and he talked a lot about his own life. And in the story of who Aaron Stern is, he just, uh, uh, I guess it was just not too long ago, lost his daughter um, his wife was pregnant and they lost the baby. And and during that time, the thing that encouraged him was the fact that in the end, they will see their baby girl again, Bergen again. That right now, things are bad. They are horrible in his life, considering that time that he was in when losing the baby. But in the end, in the very end, in heaven, when all things are made new, they will see her again. That our hope is not in this world. That when bad things happen in this world, we can't look to God and say, oh God, you don't exist because I had a bad day. But the Bible almost promises us bad days, bad things, persecution, if we remain faithful to the end. But our hope is not here, it's in heaven. That's this big point of the end times, this big point of this apocalyptic genre written not to us, but for us. Let's pray. God, we are thankful for the book of Revelation. God, would you open our hearts, encourage us to read it this week with eyes that understand it, with eyes that don't get uh, wrapped up and confused with little details, but eyes and hearts that are glorified, knowing that in the end, you will win. When all things are made new, you will make us new. There is a resurrection of the dead, that we can have our hope in heaven that as bad things happen on this earth, as people even today are being persecuted in in, in foreign countries and, and being made fun of for being Christians, God, that in the end, our hope is in you. In the end, you have already won. That we are more than conquerors because you have died and been resurrected for our sake. And so Jesus, we, we are honored by you. We love you. We praise you because of what you are doing and what you have done in our life. And so we leave here with joy. We worship you and praise you. And everybody said, amen. All right, my friends, leave here slowly. Slap some high fives. Church doesn't start till uh, 11 o'clock, which is like a half hour from now. So get some more coffee. Load up on bagels. See the mission table back there to learn more about missions. Peace out.